Thank you for joining ReachMD XM157 for this month's special series, Spotlight on Neurology and Psychiatry. You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For almost 70 years, electroconvulsive therapy has been administered to patients suffering from mental illness. But use of electroconvulsive therapy, or ECT, by medical professionals and its reception both professionally and among the lay public across those seven decades makes for a fascinating story. My guest today is the perfect choice to tell that story. Welcome to a special segment on psychiatry. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and joining me from Toronto, Canada, is historian Edward Shorter, the Jason A. Hanna Chair in the History of Medicine at the University of Toronto. Dr. Shorter is the author of numerous books on the history of medicine, including his latest, Shock Therapy, A History of Electroconvulsive Treatment in Mental Illness. Welcome, Dr. Shorter. Hi. Dr. Shorter, why is it that you consider the history of ECT one of the great untold stories in medicine? It's uh, one of the uh, most powerful treatments in psychiatry, and at the same time, it's been terribly stigmatized in the public eye to the detriment of public health. There are many people who could easily have benefited from ECT who have basically perished from their melancholia or their mania or catatonia. These are all very serious illnesses and can easily end in death from suicide. And ECT is the treatment of choice for serious depression, full-blast mania. And yet, because of the negative media spin that ECT has received over about the last 30 years, many patients who could have been saved are no longer with us. And it's this great drama of, of human health and misadventure that gives the story its terrible charm. Let's work our way up to the past 30 years, but go back a little farther first. Part of the enjoyment of reading this book is your interpretation of the impact of political history on the development of electroconvulsive therapy and on medical and psychiatric research in general. Can you talk about those factors as they played out in the 1930s? ECT started out in Italy in the psychiatric clinic of Ugo Cerletti in Rome. And it was Cerletti who conceived the idea of initiating therapeutic convulsions with electricity. It wasn't Cerletti who conceived the idea of convulsive therapy as such. That belongs to a Hungarian psychiatrist named Ladislas Maduna, who uh, thrived in the middle of the 1930s. And then Cerletti said, well, listen, maybe we can do this more easily in a way that uh, patients find more acceptable with electricity rather than using chemical convulsive therapy. And so that, that was the beginning of it. And for about the next 20 years, ECT, electroconvulsive therapy, was quite unremarkable. It was a treatment that psychiatrists readily administered, that patients benefited from, and nobody really thought a lot about it, to tell the truth. And then all of a sudden, bang, the 1960s happened, the flower children came along, and the anti-psychiatry movement was born, and ECT became terribly stigmatized. The flower children simply didn't like the idea of pumping electricity into somebody's brain as a way of curing psychiatric illness. They preferred endless hours of psychotherapy, if possible, based on Freudian principles. And if nobody got well at the end of that, then it was simply because we hadn't done enough of it. And so... ECT just wasn't in sync with the vibes of the 60s and 70s. Uh, for political and cultural reasons, it was seen as a form of torture. Look at uh, 
One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Ken Kesey's novel, was published in the early 60s and came out as a huge United Artists movie in 1975. All of those turned the tide of public opinion very much against this important and life-saving therapy. So it's in that sense that the culture and the politics of the 1960s and 70s buried what was psychiatry's most important treatment in mood disorder. This is a public health disaster, and it's only recently that we've been uh, burrowing our way out of this disaster and rediscovering ECT as the truly life-saving therapy that it is. You've mentioned some of the early treatments that were used prior to ECT that induced seizures of the brain. Can you tell us about those? Sure. The first of the new so-called physical therapies, physical therapy because they affect the substance of the brain rather than just acting on the mind was Manfred Sockel's insulin coma treatment, which he introduced in 1930. And even today, the mechanism of this isn't fully understood, that by giving patients high doses of insulin, one facilitates their recovery from schizophrenia. And about a third of those coma patients, in fact, have convulsions in the course of the coma. And it may be the convulsions that are, in fact, the therapeutic element in insulin coma therapy. In any event, it was the first of the shock therapies. Sackle didn't see it as a convulsive therapy, but it did have a, an elective effect on schizophrenia for reasons today that nobody understands very well. There is something about the effect of insulin on the brain that is therapeutic for serious illnesses, and insulin coma therapy had a success with schizophrenia that uh, pharmacotherapy has not had in more recent times. However, interest in insulin coma therapy is now completely evaporated, and it's unlikely that anybody's going to do any more research in it. A couple of years later, Ladislas von Baduna in Budapest introduced the first of the actual convulsive therapies, and he initiated uh, therapeutic convulsions with camphor, and then he used a what had been a pentaline tetrazole, it's called, it had been introduced as a cardiac drug, and it, too, is a convulsive agent. And Meduna found particularly that his patients with catatonic schizophrenia responded well to it. It was actually the first treatment for schizophrenia, or the first treatment for catatonic schizophrenia that insulin coma wasn't really suited for. So that was the beginning of convulsive therapy. And then Cerletti in Rome came along in 1938 with the idea of using electricity to invent the convulsions. And so in the 1930s and 40s, there was this whole series of physical treatments of the brain for mental illness instead of psychotherapy. You have to understand that psychiatry from the years from about 1920 to 1970 was completely under the sway of Freud's version of psychotherapy, psychoanalysis or depth therapy that saw the source of mental illness as being in the mind and an unconscious conflict. And initially, many psychiatrists schooled as they were in psychoanalysis and depth psychotherapy had a lot of difficulty with the idea that treating the brain rather than the mind might be restorative. But it turned out that these physical therapies that treated, in fact, the brain were much more effective than psychoanalysis, than psychotherapy. And they were probably safer in the sense that if you have patients with melancholia, they are very much at risk of suicide. And if the only treatment they are getting is psychotherapy, then that leaves an enormous window 
open for tragedy. ECT has the great advantage of acting almost immediately. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Reach MD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin. My guest is historian Dr. Edward Shorter, author of Shock Therapy, a history of electroconvulsive treatment in mental illness. Dr. Shorter, you refer to these interesting people who were involved in first developing ECT. Can you give us some background on these men and what that very first experience was like for them performing ECT? The early figures in ECT were all Italians. And this is one of the few contributions that modern Italy has made to medical history. But it's an important contribution. Uh, Ugo Cerletti, who was the professor of psychiatry in Rome, had really been trained in Germany in the clinics at the University Psychiatric Hospital, or hospitals are known in German as clinics, and he had been trained in the clinic of Emil Kreplin in Munich. And Kreplin, uh, as some of your listeners may know, is probably the most important single figure in the history of psychiatry, because it was Kreplin who came up with the idea of basically the, the modern classification of psychiatric illnesses. And Kreplin was himself very biologically oriented, and he had working alongside him Alois Alzheimer. That's a name, of course, that all of your listeners will be familiar with. Alzheimer was even more biologically oriented. And so Italian physicians such as Cerletti went north of the Alps to train with Alzheimer and Kreplin in Munich, which was then the world epicenter of psychiatry. And they took these very biological-oriented lessons back with them to Italy when they returned home. In 1935, Cerletti became the professor of psychiatry in Rome, and he had, of course, imbibed completely the Kreplinian worldview. And so it seemed quite natural to Cerletti that one would cure what everybody really considered to be brain illnesses in the world of biological psychiatry with a hands-on biological treatment. And that's how Cerletti came to the idea of initiating therapeutic convulsions with electricity. He wasn't the first psychiatrist to come up with the idea of therapeutic convulsions, but the method that he chose for initiating them is still in practice today. It was so practical and so successful. And the story of the first ECT patient is interesting. Well, the first ECT patient was a chronic schizophrenic, or apparently a chronic schizophrenic, a man who alternated between episodes of psychosis and wellness. And he uh, lived in a North Italian town, and while on a business trip to Italy, he relapsed and was picked up by the Italian police in the railroad station in Rome and delivered to Cerletti's clinic. And Cerletti's residents saw him as being actually the perfect candidate for trying out convulsive therapy on. He was totally disoriented. They had no other way of making him better. They had established in extensive animal research the safety of ECT. And so they urged Cerletti to make him the index patient patient number one, and Cerletti agreed to this with great reservations because already the Cerletti Clinic was under some disfavor in Italian psychiatry for its pronounced biological orientation, but ultimately Cerletti's good judgment won the day that whatever they did should not be in in their own interest, but in the interest of the patient. And they thought that just trying convulsive therapy might give them a shot at making the patient better. And so an episode that I relate at length in the book on one April morning with great trepidation gave him a couple of timid stimuli, as, as shocks are known. You give a stimulus, and he didn't respond. And this is the story, then, that Cerletti sort of confused in the public mind after and they tried again a week later with a higher voltage, and he responded very well. 
and uh, stayed then better for quite a while before he relapsed. This is the thing about ECT, as it is about many pharmacotherapies for psychosis and for depression, is that they have to be followed up. There has to be some maintenance, or you will, in fact, relapse, as, as indeed this index patient did relapse. But he got better, and that's the main point, and it really is a trivial detail that Charlotte was so intent upon presenting the first episode of ECT with a positive spin to the public that Charletti and his own published accounts conflated the first failed attempt with the second successful attempt and made it sound as though the therapy had been a big success from the get-go, which it hadn't been. But heck, they were early pioneers. You don't always get it right on the first try, and they got it right on the second try. Very interesting. Thank you for listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and my guest has been historian Dr. Edward Shorter. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Shorter. A pleasure. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. Listen all month as ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals, features a special series, Spotlight on Neurology and Psychiatry. 